Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who would win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The skies are dark above a densely populated metropolitan city as a storm is brewing. The seas are clamoring and the waves grow high as Atlantis has been angered and retribution is in order. Amidst the growl of thunder, Aquaman steps onto the shore looking for a fight. Smashing light posts and park benches, Aquaman calls to the heavens for an opponent worthy of his vengeance. It is then that out of the sky, ACDC can be heard blasting through the air as Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, flies down to take care of the situation. Uh, hey, fish boy, you want to fight? Put down the bench and step up to the plate. Aquaman smiles and throws the bench directly at Tony's head as this battle is about to go down. It's Avenger versus Justice Leaguer. It's Tony versus Arthur. It's MCU Iron Man versus DCEU Aquaman. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Today's matchup takes an interesting perspective as we are pitting two superhero heavyweights from their respective cinematic universes. In one corner, you have Aquaman, a charismatic and powerful Atlantean king with a strong connection to both land and sea. And in the other corner, you have Iron Man from the MCU films, a genius inventor and billionaire who uses his advanced suit of armor to fight as a witty and resourceful superhero. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And with the upcoming release of Aquaman 2 in theaters, this particular matchup has been and is continuing to be discussed a great deal. But as always, it's never gotten the who would win treatment until today. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I, as always, remain very excited. Now, you've won three matches in a row to inexplicably, at least according to what people who have been listening to the shows have been saying about the last few decisions, inexplicably tie the season going into this, the final battle of season five. That hurts. It hurts that I have not been able to wrap it up before today. It hurts that you are potentially on the precipice of another four in a row. But what really hurts most of all is the idea that this, my perfect, brilliant season, could be destroyed, could be ruined, could be thrown out with the dishwater as a direct result of what's happening today. I can only hope that today's judge listens to what I have to say, and isn't someone who's prone to go against me. Look, Ray, I really hate to say this. You've had me on the ropes pretty much all season. Uh, you came out with a great start. I kind of tried to fight my way back. You then absolutely dominated in the middle of the season, and then somehow I got an unprecedented, and I'm still not so sure how this happened, five wins in a row. 
Then you came back, and now I'm on a win streak again of three wins in a row with a possible fourth. Things are getting crazy. We've never had a season like this season five of the Who Would Win show, and that's why we had to bring in a judge that both you and I, remember, you and I kind of talked about it and said, listen, this is for all the marbles. This is for bragging rights. This is to crown a champ of season five. We need a special judge that we both agree to that regardless of what's going to happen, we're like, that is the person for today's episode. And boy, did we get that person. So without further ado, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's the star of my three dads. What we got here? I want to know. Make it. Well, here you go. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's the star of the My Three Dads podcast, co-host of the Father Good podcast. Wait a minute. It's writer, producer, fan favorite judge. And despite what Ray Sakina says, I think this person is the most brilliant mind in all of entertainment. Oh, yeah, I'm starting at that early. It's Marshall Givens. Marshall, welcome back to Who Would Win. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you for no. having me. Lovely, oh, lovely no. introduction. Wait, thank you, James. I have like a 30% Ray, doing, win Ray? percentage with Marshall Givens on the show. What is happening? This hey. is the finale. Hey. Ray, you agreed Hi. to it when I said, hey, I've got a great judge, and their name is Marshall Givens. And you said, who? And I said, Marshall Givens. You're like, I think that's okay. I said, great, we're doing it. And now we have Marshall Givens. Someone we both agree will be a great judge for today's episode. Look, Marshall. Before we get started, tell the Legion mm -hmm. of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. I've been up to the same old things. Uh, I'm, I'm writing. I'm pitching. I'm, I'm teaching. We're doing improv here. We're doing all types of stuff. We're doing voiceover stuff. We've got cartoons. It's all, it's all happening. It's all happening. But what I'm most excited to be doing is judging this show. Listen, Marshall, you, you've successfully, I use this term once in a while for our judges, you've successfully been the adult, the only adult in the room for the <laughs> Who Would Win show many times, every time you've been on the episode. And every time you've been on, whether I get the win or Ray gets the win, you've always really weighed the evidence, weighed the facts, and been insanely insightful and logical with your decision. So that makes me ask just one question. One, that makes me only ask one question. That was French, by the way. That makes me only ask one question. How badly do you think Ray's going to take losing, not just this episode, not just four in a row, but losing season five to me? That, I, uh, James, I, I fear... I fear Ray may go on a rampage. I fear <sighs> that the Ray was right brigade will take up arms. I'm I'm afraid of a lot of stuff. That is a scary group of three people. I'm not gonna lie. That's <laughs> <laughs> Ticadas. I mean, you're hearing all this. You're staying oddly quiet. What is going on right now? Look, I am a huge fan of Marshall Givens, the performer. Marshall Givens, the writer. <laughs> Marshall Givens, the human being. I am not a fan of Marshall Givens, the who would win judge. I, I, I don't know the exact number, but I know my winning percentage is somewhere in the 30s when Marshall comes on the show. And he's been on the show a lot. And I've had to eat a lot of poop when Marshall Givens is the judge. So I already know now that I'm going to have to work even harder, one, to even be listened to today, and two, to find a way to pull out this victory that I so desperately need. Sorry, Ray. Ray doesn't understand that I've been secretly working out Chicago Detroit beefs on this show through him. No, I, I figured it out. Time. I figured it out. Look, we, we gave I you a Bears victory. What more do you want from me? <laughs> uh, total uh, domination. That's what we want. That's what he wants. And, and by the way, I think total domination should be your nickname. Marshall Total Domination Givens, because that's what you do on the show. You completely and totally dominate the judge's position. Like, I hate to say it, almost like no one else has done on the show. So with all that being said, Marshall, you got a lot on your shoulders today, if I may say so, sir. You've got possibly me getting four wins in a row. You've got Ray going absolutely crazy. We've got the championship of season five on the line mm -hmm. about to be decided. And by the way, what a battle. MCU Iron Man, one of my favorite characters of all time in cinema versus Jason Momoa. Aquaman, who's absolutely fantastic in that role. Tough I'm one. just saying that out loud. We have everything it takes to have an amazing holiday episode that's a gift yeah, to the Legion of Audience. Ray, let's do this. This is for all the marbles. Go ahead and announce today's matchup. Representing the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the hero who never wears a wrinkled suit, Iron Man. And representing the Detective Comics Extended Universe. I had to work that out in my head. The hero who found religion under the sea. Well, he said he found a divine porpoise. Aquaman. 
<laughs> I like that joke, and then the dramatic Aquaman. Got to make you got to sell it, James. You got to sell it. You got to sell it. All right, well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one: each debater will make three points. Rule number two: the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three: the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version that character has to be specifically stated. Look, we're saying this in the match itself. It's MCU Iron Man versus DCEU Aquaman. Actually, it's the last character and movie we're going to see in the DCEU universe, you know, completely with this character. So this matchup's even more, uh, you know, of a higher magnitude than we even realized for this episode. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides. As the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. Finally, rule number six, the judge, the final arbiter, can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Visit www.whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some great Who Would Win shirts and merch. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now, let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for MCU's Iron Man. Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, is a rich super genius who creates and wears his own super suits to battle evil. He was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, Don Heck, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko, wow, and first appeared in comics in Tales of Suspense number 39 back in 1963. Now, the Marvel Cinematic Universe version was, of course, played brilliantly by Robert Downey Jr., and his first movie appearance was the movie Iron Man in 2008, the widely beloved anchor of the entire MCU. Iron Man came out and promptly started the superhero movie craze we currently still enjoy, mostly. Robert Downey Jr. took a character that was virtually unknown by the masses, yeah, and if, you, if you're saying he's not, you're lying, and he turned him into the biggest thing immediately overnight. His Iron Man suits grant him super strength, durability, speed, energy blasting, and of course, the power of flight. The center of the entire MCU for well over a decade, Iron Man gloriously gave his life to finally defeat the mad titan Thanos in the movie Avengers Endgame. Spoiler alert. Fun fact, in the history of film, there may not be a better example of an actor being perfect in all ways for the character that they played. Director John Favreau wanted Robert Downey Jr. from the start, but that doesn't mean that he was the only actor considered for the role. Also in contention to play the role of Iron Man, this killed me. You got Hugh Jackman, who was already Wolverine, so what's up? Clive Owen, interesting. Timothy Oliphant, who I could not see play that role even a little bit, even though I love him. But my favorite, the one and only Nicolas Cage. Yeah. 
I kind of wish that I lived in the alternate universe where Nick Cage played both Superman and Iron Man. That universe exists somewhere I'd like to visit. But I guess I'm stuck here. Anyway, that is MCU Iron Man. You know what? The very fact, according to my limited knowledge of quantum mechanics or quantum physics, maybe both, the fact that you just said it means now that possibility is a reality. So congratulations. That actually happened somewhere. Thanks to Ray Sicanus. You're welcome. You're welcome, that universe. Crazy. All right. Well done right now. Here are the details for the DCEU version of Aquaman. Now, Aquaman's character, originally created by Paul Norris and Mort Weisinger, first appeared in More Fun Comics number 73 back in 1941. Aquaman is portrayed brilliantly, by the way, by Jason Momoa, made his first cinematic appearance in the 2016 film Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, directed by Zack Snyder, of course. Now, this iteration of Aquaman presents a rugged and charismatic king of Atlantis, known for his formidable strength, command over aquatic life, and ability to manipulate water. Momoa's Aquaman stands out with his distinctive tattoos, long hair, and a more warrior-like demeanor, diverging from the traditional clean-cut image of the character in earlier comics. His portrayal brings a sense of cultural depth and a rebellious edge to the character, emphasizing Aquaman's dual heritage as both Atlantean and human, which plays a significant role in his entire storyline. And here's an interesting fact about cinematic Aquaman. Did you know that the director, James Wan, was actually given a choice between directing Aquaman and another character for a DC film? It's true. Now, James Wan knows how to handle a superhero-style action. Of course, that's undeniable. Yet, when Wan was offered the chance to direct another movie for the DC Universe, he chose instead to dive into Atlantis and Aquaman. In an interview, Wan said he liked the idea of pioneering a place that people hadn't seen before on film. He's talking about the underwater world of Aquaman. He also felt that bringing the lesser-known Aquaman to life gave him more room to play with the character than if he adapted someone more known. And what was the other character for a film from DC Comics that James Wan decided to turn down? You probably guessed it. It was The Flash. Good call, James Wan. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Marshall, do you have any questions before we get started? No, no questions. I am familiar with both. uh, I'm interested to see who will win. All right. I'm actually really nervous. I've got a lot of apprehension. I'm excited. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot on the line here. So, Ray, go ahead. Do what you do and hit us for your point number one. Point number one for Tony Stark. What really separates these two characters, besides literally everything, is the fact that Iron Man is so much smarter than Aquaman. I'm not going to say Aquaman is a complete dope, but let's keep it real. He, he, he went, he, he's from Atlantis under the sea, lasted a whole lot of time before he really even got involved in human society, much less learning about the sciences to the point where Tony Stark is just so much on a higher level intellectually than anything that Aquaman could use his brute force to push through his neurons. Tony Stark in high school hacked the Pentagon on a dare. Somebody dared him to do it and he did it. This is a guy who graduated MIT summa cum laude at the age of 17. He is a literal prodigy, a literal boy genius uh, uh, born into a a fantastic situation, at least financially, not emotionally, but that's a different story altogether. Look, this is a guy who got captured in Afghanistan, and while he was trapped in a cave being asked to make weapons for terrorists, made himself a crude Iron Man suit which allowed him to escape using little, like pieces of sheet metal a- a- that he had just found laying around a cave. That's the kind of guy we're talking about here. He also made a miniature arc reactor in order to power the machine and power himself as well. Uh, remember that it took uh, scientists. There was an entire team of scientists and super scientists that were trying to make a smaller version of an arc reactor, and they couldn't pull it off in, uh, in one of the Iron Man movies. Tony Stark did it in a cave, by himself with one guy kind of helping him. That's ridiculous. But he didn't just uh, make his own suits, right? He created every one of his own suits, but he never stopped uh, iterating on them as well. This is a guy who never leaves good enough alone. He encounters a problem, and this is kind of a cool thing that the MCU movies did. He gets defeated in one movie, but then somebody comes at him the same way in a later movie, and he has an answer to that problem. And he did it over and over and over again. Uh, There are some cool uh, Easter egg videos, if you find them on YouTube, that will basically just show you, look, here's how this guy, like, knocked him in and his suit lost power. But then he came back in the next movie and his suit had a backup generator to make sure that couldn't happen again. 
That's the kind of guy Tony Stark is. So by the time we get to the end of Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, he is rocking some of the best suits he's ever possibly found. And what does Jason Momoa's Aquaman have? An army of fish. And I'm going to take the super suits over the school of fish any day. In fact, when going to schools, I will take MIT over the school of fish. But he didn't just make his own Iron Man suits. He also made War Machine. That's a lot of weapons. He also made two, count of two, Spider-Man suits that were some of the best Spider-Man suits you could ever find. This is a guy who pepper pots his, his future wife. Uh, she got hit with that like fire disease, the extremists. He came up just on the fly. He made a cure for it. <laughs> he just found out about it and he made the cure. What a genius. He created Jarvis, the super smart AI. And don't worry about what happened with Ultron. He created it. He made Ultron. Don't, don't, don't stress it. He invented his own chemical element to power his suits. He made a chemical element that did not exist before. And he figured out time travel the day he first heard about the quantum realm. He went home that night, made himself a cocktail, popped open his computer, and figured out how to travel through time. Are you out of your mind right now? And of course, when, this, when the island dropped in the Age of Ultron movie, he figured out the way to save the world. Probably should have ended on the time travel. That's so much more impressive but that's not the way I wrote these notes. Anyway, he's way smarter. He comes up with plans on the fly to win and he can create and create and create. And that's my point number one. All right. I really, really love the character of uh, Iron Man from the MCU. Still to this day, I love the Spider-Man character as well from the MCU, but Iron Man is my favorite by far, by far, by far. I hate the fact he's no longer part of that universe, but it is what it is. Look, let me push back on a couple of things. First of all, Iron Man is an absolute genius, but it's a genius more on the technological side of things. He's a very good brawler. He's a very competent fighter, but this is something different. Aquaman is a born and bred warrior who's then received training throughout his whole life, which I'll talk about more. This is a different type of fight he's taking on. On top of that, you know, if he has time, Iron Man can pretty much figure out almost anything. I'm not going to deny that, but again, if he has time, if he has previous experience, if he has that prep time, that magical element Batman uses, I wouldn't bet against Iron Man against for any type of battle, but this isn't something he has any prep time for. On top of that, magic, a big part of what Aquaman can do, isn't something that Iron Man has a lot of experience with, unfortunately, but that's just the case. And finally, this is a big point. Okay, listen, I agree, Ray. He typically you know, learns from his experience and upgrades his suit so that if he ever faces anything remotely similar, or whatever it is, or a threat level, he has an answer for it. But in Avengers Endgame, after having taken on Thanos and getting his butt whipped by Thanos in uh, Infinity War, and now at the Endgame, he's fighting Thanos with now Thor and Captain America, who've all had experience fighting him, all three of them together still couldn't really do that much to him. I don't think that he upgraded enough, and he just, again, that shows his battle savvy may just not really, I guess it just pales in comparison, with his technological savvy. Now, let me kind of move to Aquaman for my point number one. And for my point one number one, let's talk about Aquaman's powers because he's got a lot. This guy's pretty cool. Now, remember, he's half Atlantean. He's half human. His, he's got a unique physiology, if that's the right word. But that physiology gives him way superior like power than a regular Atlantean. He's kind of like a super Atlantean. Fun fact, as a Justice League member, Aquaman ranks just below Wonder Woman in overall power, which means he's the third most powerful. That's a pretty good power level to be at. In terms of superhuman strength, look, when he's fighting elite humans, Atlanteans, parademons, treach monsters, he's ripping apart, tearing apart. He can break apart metal doors uh, on submarines, destroys undersea NSA aircraft with a trident blow, you know, five Atlantean guards, parrot, again, that can come at him with his advanced tech. He just rips them apart and toss them aside. Uh, you know, he's so strong. We see him jump great distances, you know, and just withstand kind of crazy stuff. He's got that superhuman durability as well. Look, sharp blades, high caliber bullets, explosions, extreme underwater pressures. None of that matters to him. You know, he, he withstands attacks from Orm, Black Manta, Atlantean soldiers, even Steppenwolf. And these are all people that either have that alien superpower to them or advanced technology that should absolutely hurt him. But he just tanks all of that. You know, that's that's the crazy thing about him. People don't understand how durable he is just to be underwater at those depths to take that insane pressure, which is nothing for him, shows that he's insanely, insanely durable. He's also got a regenerative healing factor. He really does heal quickly from wounds. You know, he's got a much higher rate, uh, recovery rate than human, any Atlantean. Again, he's like a super Atlantean. Uh, also, on a side note, he's got a really high tolerance to alcohol. I don't know why that's important. I just think it's funny to watch him drink. 
He's also got superhuman speed. Look, obviously he moves way faster than Batman, but his speed is comparable to Wonder Woman, who's got a lot of speed in the DCU. And of course, she's not as fast as Superman or the Flash. But again, she does move very fast. And so does Aquaman. Now, he's ca capable of dodging bullets, dodging grenades. He can take out attacks from superpowered opponents and dodge those as well or just keep up with them. Keep in mind that Aquaman, at least in the DCU version, can swim at Mach 5, which is over 3,800 miles per hour. That's crazy. He's also got that superhuman stamina. He can fight forever if he needs to. Again, that's what you got to do if you fight underwater. He's got superhuman senses. He's got this enhanced vision so he can see underwater. He can see if it's like, you know, much better if it's just above land or above sea, I should see. And he's, you know, it's dark. He can see that. And of course, you know, he can breathe underwater and do all that kind of good stuff. He's got marine telepathy. And a lot of people say, oh, he can talk to fish. And they really underplay this. But here's the thing. Just like, you know, you have like a magical person who can, you know, conjure or summon creatures to him. So can Aquaman. He can summon anything. And under the sea, you have monsters. You got kaijus. You have those, the trench, these um, and, um, Atlanteans who got kind of mutated into these weird monsters. He can call all of them. And he also has limited hydrokinesis. He's got some control and manipulation ability of some water. He can generate protective water barriers. He can create tidal waves. Uh, and it's actually uh, theorized that he can swim faster than 38 miles per hour because he uses that hydrokinesis to kind of propel him as well. See, when you put all this together, this is why some people call Aquaman Superman under the sea. All of that is my point number one. Nobody calls Aquaman the Superman under the sea. Are you out of your mind right now? That is absolutely ridiculous. I, I haven't seen somebody prop themselves up harder for no reason than the first time I asked a girl on a date. The point I'm trying to make here right now is that Aquaman it, it, it might have fought Steppenwolf, okay? But Iron Man truly was born to be wild. What I'm trying to say right now is that Aquaman's main enemy is Black Manta, right? He is the arch enemy of Aquaman. That is a guy with no powers in a suit. Fantastic. Aquaman struggles 1v1 against Black Manta, which is a guy in a suit. Black Manta's suit is not nearly as powerful as what Iron Man brings to the table in the later MCU movies. If Aquaman transitive property can't have, a, always has a hard time with Black Manta, he's going to have an increasingly harder time with Iron Man. That is absolutely easy to see. Never mind. Superman under the sea? Stop it, James. Just stop it. I see you agree with me, which is fantastic. Marshall Givens, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Right now, it actually feels pretty even to me. I just getting all of their all of their stuff out of this beginning, the 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 setup of what they can do and who they are. I feel like it's pretty even right now. I feel like I, I, I can go either way. I still need to hear some more points on either side. Um, but they're both powerful and they both do stuff. Let's go. <laughs> I I do agree they are both powerful and Looking back, they both do stuff. Yet again, more keen insight from Marshall Givens, possibly judge of the year. I'm just putting that out there. All right, Ray, so we're even. We've been here before. Let's see what happens after you give us your point number two. Boy, insight like that. You don't need uh, Watson from IBM. Uh, you need Marshall Givens to get mm -hmm. that type of insight. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking yep. about. Point number two, let's talk about the suits themselves. We've talked about how much smarter and better at coming up with battle plans Tony Stark is then the, you know, the, he's basically just a missile. You point him in a direction and he goes. That's what that's what Aquaman does. All right, let's keep it real. He doesn't come up with divine strategies like Tony Stark does. But those suits, the suit gives Iron Man increased strength and durability. He can get blasted. He can get pummeled. Explosions happen around him. Do you remember when he falls through, what was it, the helicarrier's engine turbine and he just gets grinded up and, and he just popped out the other side with a few scratches on him? That's insane. A human body would have been turned to hamburger, but his suit was able to get through that with no problem. Bullets bounce right off the Iron Man suit easily, and he can achieve supersonic flight speed. Uh, roughly, I believe it was 10 times the speed of sound or five times the speed of sound. It's much faster. Anyway, it's much faster than Aquaman can swim underwater for. I don't know why Aquaman refuses to leave the ocean, but Tony Stark's going to have an answer for that too as he's blasting it with missile after missile after missile. Tony Stark caught a car that got thrown at him and then was able to just cast it aside no problem. And let's forget, an earlier version of the suit found earlier on in his uh, life cycle, he kicked mighty god of thunder Thor 
through a tree when the two of them had a disagreement. If you're able to knock Thor and send him flying with your basic version of the suit, what is happening when we get to the hardcore ones a little bit later on? At this point, these suits are powered by nanotechnology, okay? Nanobytes, I know. We don't like talking about nanobytes. It's sort of a get-out-of-jail-free card in a lot of badly written fiction. I don't care. Tony Stark is covered in nanobytes, and they can do his bidding. We saw some of the effects of that in the, one of the newer Spider-Man movies when Dr. Octopus was messing with him. The point I'm trying to make here is that he can put the damage and put the shields where he needs to on the nanobots. It's not like there's just one piece and it can get just ripped off and thrown away and he's stuck without a suit because Aquaman threw it off. Nanobites just do not allow that to happen. He also has a HUD, a uh, heads-up display inside his visor, which allows him to find weak points in his enemies and find where they, you know, a best place to strike them using his AI technology. Also prevents surprises from happening to him. If something's about to hit him that he doesn't see coming, not only can the suit itself warn him before it hits him, because it has a 360 array and can see all around him, it can also go out of its way to just dodge him out of the way if he isn't fast enough. He has actually at one point in one of his battles, I believe the one with uh, Captain America and Bucky, he plugged in, here's the way that you got to fight in order to win this. I'm just going to let the suit take over for a sec. Fantastic. That's all he has to do. And then the AI technology can win the fight for him. He can also find life. If Aquaman is trying to hide or there's some big monster under the ocean that's about to get summoned against him, he's going to be able to see that. He's going to be able to see it coming with the heat vision a mile away. He can also zoom in to help him see far away targets so he can create a distance between him and Aquaman and pummel him with a massive amount of explosions. And it's not just one suit. Using AI, he can control dozens of suits at the same time, just like we saw in the Iron Man movie with the fire demons in it. The micro-repeater implants inside his body allow him to uh, control everything, and he uses what's called the house party protocol to call all the Iron Man suits to all fight in tandem against his enemies. So we're not just fighting one Iron Man if he deems it, we're fighting dozens. And the Hulkbuster suit, we'll talk about that a little bit later, that's actually kept in space ready to drop on a battlefield uh, at a moment's notice. Really quick, his AI can repair his suits if they get damaged as the fights are going along. It calculates evasive maneuvers and battle plans. And the other thing is they got rockets, flamethrowers, energy blasts, all manner of weaponry created by Stark Technologies, the greatest weapons maker in the entire world. And he keeps the best stuff for himself. Final point, the suits can also self-destruct, including with someone in them, which is something he has done before in the movies to take out his enemy at the end of a battle, right? Remember that? And he actually could scoop up Aquaman in one of those suits, fly him away, hold him for two minutes if he needed to, blow him up in the sky or in space if he really, really needed to. All right, almost space. They can't quite get to space. I'll admit it. That's a, that's a limitation. But he could fly Aquaman far, far away and blow him up. That's a way to win a battle pretty easily. And that's my point number two. All right, again... I really, really hate what I'm about to do because, you know, I love MCU Iron Man, but there's definitely some, and again, I wouldn't call them weaknesses, but there's definitely some, I don't know, opportunities for Aquaman here. So first of all, the nanobites. Again, I love that nanobite new technology with his armor, which kind of just forms around him. But the problem is we saw this in Infinity War, you know, it can still be pierced by sharp weapons. It can still be, he can still be stabbed through it. Sure, they can kind of come to his rescue after, but he doesn't have a healing factor. They can just kind of come in and start helping him heal, maybe not bleed out and die, but it definitely, they don't like pop him back up and say, hey, you're good to fight again. Absolutely not. If he gets pierced through that with, I don't know, say something really sharp, I don't know if Aquaman, oh, a Trident, for example, that's going to be lights out for Tony Stark. On top of that, you know, his armor just isn't geared or even optimized for underwater combat, never mind underwater operation. It's just not something we've seen, which sucks because if he was still around and Namor was there, I mean, there's just all these possibilities of what we could have seen. But right now, we do have no proof that his armor works. That I'm sure it could keep him alive. I'm sure it could operate. But to be optimized to take out someone like Aquaman, who many people, Ray Kane has referred to as Superman under the sea, I think that's just going to be a tricky thing. And finally, dozens of suits of Iron Man. You know, I think that's awesome. I love all his different suits. Compare that to the, I don't know, billions of sea creatures that Aquaman can call whenever he needs to. Uh, in terms of mobilization, yeah, they'll immobilize Iron Man way easier than Iron Man can immobilize you know, Aquaman, just putting that out there. So let me get to my point number two. And for my point number two, let's talk about the extras that Aquaman brings to the fight. Now, first of all, 
Aquaman, unlike Tony Stark, is a master combatant. Remember, he was trained by the character, I'm trying to say this name properly, Nuitis Bulko, who was played by Willem Dafoe. Remember that? So he's been trained since he was a kid. And Aquaman really has that, you know, he excels in both armed and melee combat on land and in water. To say that Aquaman is a master warrior is pretty much a huge understatement. This is where he excels in terms of fighting. Aquaman has overcome groups of Atlantean soldiers, parademons. He's stated to be able to fend off armies with ease. This is a statement from the DCU official wiki. I haven't seen him actually fend off armies with ease. I don't know about that, but he does have a lot of fighting ability. Now, he defeated his brother Orm, uh, who was one of the masters of Atlantis at the time, a super powerful opponent. He uh, beat uh, Black Manta despite being unarmed and injured at the time. Now, he did take on Steppenwolf with the Justice League, but he took him on one-on-one quite a bit. This is something that people have to understand. Steppenwolf was as powerful as Doomsday from that same Doomsday from the Batman versus Superman movie. When you go back to Man of Steel, some really cool uh, trivia here. And at the beginning of Man of Steel, you look up and you see the moon of one of the moons of Krypton is shattered. That's because Steppenwolf fought Doomsday on that moon. Somehow, I don't know if he defeated Doomsday, but he came out of it and the moon got shattered and destroyed. That's who Aquaman was fighting a moon destroying type of opponent. That is crazy. Now, on top of that, this guy's an extra expert marksman with his trident. He's also, again, he actually is very, very intelligent. This is someone who knows a ton of languages from Atlantis and what have you. And again, he's a gifted tactician and a gifted fighter. That's where his intelligence goes. On top of all of this, here's the deal. Aquaman's also a master swordsman. He's amazing at disarming people with weapons and using their weapons against them. And in terms of weapons, here we go. Aquaman has one that is pretty much, I don't know, absolutely insane. He has the Trident of Atlan, also known as, it's a, known as the Sacred Trident, which was originally used by the ancient king of Atlantis, someone named Atlan. That's why they call it the Trident of Atlan. Now, just like Mjolnir, the Trident can only be handled and have its power accessed by the true heir of Atlantis, which is now Aquaman. So what can the Trident do? Well, it firstly magnifies all of Aquaman's already insane physical abilities, which means he's even stronger, he's even faster, he's even more agile, he's more durable than his already incredible self. Remember how powerful Aquaman was in the Justice League movie? Yeah, feel free to at least double it now. All joking aside, it's he's at least double as strong as he was in that film. He can create shockwaves with the Trident. Now, these shockwaves are strong enough to hurt Darkseid. How do I know that? Because the Trident was used in that flashback in Justice League. That Trident was used to create the shockwaves that hurt Darkseid. It can shoot lightning both above and under the sea. It grants complete possession over the full power of the seven seas to whoever the rightful heir is, in this case, Aquaman. That means Aquaman's hydrokinesis or control over water is magnified to, I'm using air quotes, God-level tier, and his ability to command any creature that lives in water also dramatically goes up. And this was demonstrated when, in the Aquaman film, he took the trident and he gained the ability to perfectly sense every creature of the ocean on the planet Earth and reach out to them all. And in case you missed it, Aquaman is a master at using the trident as a combat weapon. Again, thanks to that training by Volko, by the way, fun fact, the Trident is also unbreakable. Have fun with that. Again, Iron Man's been stabbed through his armor, and it takes him out of the fight. We saw that in Infinity War. He hasn't had an upgrade that can take that, you know, stop Thanos from stabbing him. And that Trident being stabbed by the rightful heir of Atlantis, Aquaman, that's going to hurt a whole lot. That's my point number two. Uh, all right, hold on. Aquaman is a perfectly good soldier, a foot soldier, but Iron Man is a war master. Iron Man is the guy who creates the plan, gets the team together, and goes out and blows a hole in absolutely everything he needs to. Aquaman, uh, first of all, in what world does Iron Man get close enough to Aquaman to get stabbed with a trident? He can fly. He can fly around. And, and he's not going to go deep down into the depths of the water to go fight Aquaman. If Aquaman wants to battlefield remove himself to go hide in the sea, that's fine. I'll take a victory that way. I'll take a victory any way that I can get it at this point in season five. And Doomsday in the comics is not Doomsday in the DCEU. Doomsday in the comics is a legendary butt kicker of epic proportion. He's the man who killed Superman. Doomsday in DCEU is a kind of a joke, quite honestly, much like Steppenwolf. And Aquaman, when he fought Steppenwolf, you mentioned, you kept saying, James does this a lot. Oh, he stood toe to toe and he fought with this character, implying that he got a good hits in, implying that he defeated them. No, when Aquaman fought Steppenwolf in the Justice League movie, he tried to throw a punch and he got caught by the wrist. He tried throwing another punch with the other hand, it got caught by the wrist. 
Then he got punted into a pillar and then smashed into, and then Steppenwolf took what he was there to take and left. Aquaman got his butt handed to him. And only at the end fight was he the guy who stabbed his spear through Steppenwolf. And then, oh, by the way, Superman knocked him into the boom tube and Wonder Woman cut his head off. Aquaman also raised his hand at the end of the group project and said, I helped too. Sure you did, Arthur. Sure you did. Are are you confusing Doomsday from the films with Doomsday from the comic book and then just kind of like interplace? Of course you are. You're raised to Canis. I get this. All right, listen, we are now at the turning point. Marshall, you've had a moment upon her two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead? And what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to be honest. To me, I feel like it's still neck and neck. I still feel like it's really close because you both have given us good points about the character, but about the other person's points in terms of what should really count, what is actual and factual uh, versus not. So, I mean, I feel like the way to break this tie would just be to show, to, to give us more examples of how each of them would deal with the other and in comparison to some of those other, I mean, you talked about the Steppenwolf fight, but let's talk about some of those other feats of of both of them in terms of how those feats compare to what the other one can do. I would like to hear that a little bit more. Interesting. Okay, okay. This is going to be a tough you know, sell, but I think I got what it takes to win you over. All right, let's see what Ray's going to do with this. Ray, it all comes down to this. We're tied. So the entire season five of the Who'd Win Show comes down to what you and I are about to say. Let's do this. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Iron Man. Let's talk about some of the big things he's done compared to the not particularly big things that Aquaman has done in his own set of movies. The thing is, Aquaman is like the, what, fourth? fifth biggest characters in his own movies of the Justice League movies, whereas in the Avengers movie, Iron Man is the number one character, and that's the real difference between these two. I said before, but I'll say it again because it's important. One character here can fly. The other one cannot. The other one is stuck on the land or sea, and that is fine. Tony Stark is going to be able to keep the distance between them. He's not going to get into a raging knockdown drag out fist fight with Aquaman because Tony Stark is a genius. Tony Stark is not a buffoon who's just going to dive in and, and let Aquaman grab him and ragdoll him. He's going to pummel him from a distance with missiles and flamethrowers. And let's keep it real. Fire against a character who needs to touch the water all the time is probably going to be a big deal against him. I mentioned before, but I'm going to stretch it a little bit uh, more here and talk to you because I mentioned that Tony Stark learns from his mistakes. Things that defeated him in one movie, immediately he has an answer for in the next. So if we're talking about the suits that he has in the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame movies, which I will be in a second, there's there's nothing left. There's nothing left that he hasn't accounted for because he's had all of these movies leading up to it to lead him into having near-perfect suits for fighting a character like an Aquaman. Let's not forget, this is a guy who fought the Hulk. He fought the Incredible Hulk, who is considerably stronger than Aquaman. Let's just keep it real. And he did so using his Hulk buster armor. And if he felt that it was necessary for the battle, he would absolutely call it down and get into it here. He fought the Hulk and he sent him through the air with just punching. He punched the Hulk and sent him flying. He has that cool piston punch that hits him like like an infinite mass punch, but like the one-inch Bruce Lee punch, and that hits real, real hard. In fact, he developed exploding energy blasts, which are even better than your normal energy blasts because they, well, they explode. And I'm going to say right now against a guy like Aquaman, that's going to be absolutely incredible. And let's not forget his incredible heroism. This is the guy who flew the nuke up into the portal to save all of New York City in the first Avengers movie. This is a guy not afraid to do what it takes and have the willpower to come and get the battle done. He took down Loki, who is an Asgardian god, with just some energy blasts in that movie as well, all while blasting ACDC music. Let's go. At one point in the uh, Endgame movie, he was walking with his suitcase towards the door in Avengers Tower, and that's when Hulk threw the door open and smashed Tony Stark, sending him flying across the room. Full brunt of a door smashed open by the Hulk, he took with 
no suit on, and he was able to get up and keep fighting. And that's that's with no suit on. Are you kidding me? He took Hulk shots without even needing his defense. And let's not forget the one big thing that Iron Man pulled off. He's the one, ultimately, 1v1, mano e mano, to defeat Thanos when he had all six Infinity Gems and the Infinity Gauntlet. He was able to use his words to get into Thanos' head to get close enough to grab the gems off of it without him even noticing. How is that even possible? And he was able to snap everyone back and give his own life to do it. This is the whole thing. He uses guile. He uses uh, his knowledge of how other people work and their desires, and he can figure out really quickly what someone's about. Using his massive intellect can create a plan to put them in a terrible position, and he did that with the Mad Titan. Do you honestly, if you sit down right now, Marshall Gibbons, do you see Aquaman meeting Thanos with all six Infinity Stones on a battlefield and winning? Do you actually think that's something that's going to happen? Because Iron Man actually did that. <laughs> Aquaman needed help from the most powerful characters of all time to defeat a guy named Steppenwolf. Iron Man didn't need no help at the end. And Iron Man, as he says, raised his hand in the group project and said, I helped too, guys. And then they patted him on the head, sent him back into the ocean and said, sure you did, Arthur. Sure you did. Iron Man takes this down. And that's my point number three. All right. So I, I like how you're saying that, uh, you know, I guess somehow he, which I love that scene, by the way, he didn't use his words. He grabbed on to Thanos and, you know, that's when he used that cool, you know, whatever it was, sleight of hand in the really cool thing to get the stones off of his gauntlet onto his own. And then he snapped his finger. I loved all that, but it wasn't his words but it was a cool trick he did. The problem is that glove was already that he was wearing was in that, in the, you know, that concept, he already knew ahead of time what the stones could do, how he'd have to put them on his own glove. He had time to prep for that five years. In fact, to do it. He's not gonna have that time in this fight. In fact, if he does somehow get the Trident away from Aquaman, you know, what's going to happen. It won't work because it only works when the true heir of Atlanta, the King of Atlantis is holding it. And guess what? Tony Stark is. He's awesome. He's not the King of Atlantis on top of that flying for Aquaman. Remember in Justice League, all the parademons were flying. He didn't have a problem jumping through the air and grabbing onto him and stabbing him. This guy jumps super fast, super far, super high. He can take stuff out of the air, go facing up against a flyer is not going to be a problem. And all the films that we saw, again, I just got to keep bringing this up. I wish we saw it, but we don't see Iron Man having to account for taking on anything underwater or under the you know conditions of high pressure to undersea kind of stuff. I wish we saw it. It would have been amazing. A fight between Namor or Namor, however you want to call him, versus Iron Man would have been amazing. But again, we can't have it because we can't have nice things. So let me get to my point number three. Here we go. Point number three. Let's talk about Iron Man's weaknesses because he's got a few. Because he's got a few. Now, first of all, you know, I get it. He's got the suits, but there's a real dependence on the suit. When he doesn't have that suit on, he's great at figuring things out when he has time and resources to do it. That's not the situation. Now, with the dependence on the suit, remember, all of this is contingent on the protection of the suit. If the suit's damaged, removed, malfunctions, Tony Stark becomes insanely more vulnerable, much weaker. And remember, Aquaman has a ton of experience fighting high-tech armored opponents. That's Black Manta. That's all the Atlanteans with all of their armor they're fighting. Are these suits as advanced as Iron Man's armor? No, I'm absolutely not going to you know, admit to that. But here's the deal. They are advanced. They are super powerful. So fighting an armored opponent isn't something he's not used to doing. Whereas Aquaman, again, is not used to fighting someone underwater or he can use the water's advantage. On top of that, Iron Man, he may have a susceptibility to magic. In fact, I think he does. All of his technology, all of his advancement that he has, none of it typically accounts for magical forces. And that's something that's going to be a big factor because Aquaman's magical trident could potentially disrupt or damage or definitely pierce Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. That's the thing. Again, we don't see him underwater. We don't see him dealing with true, true, magically powered things. Mjolnir did hit him with lightning and power it up, but this is a different type of animal with the trident. He's also physically really, really vulnerable. Ray, you brought up that whole thing with Loki, how he took him on once he had the suit on. How did he do against Loki when he didn't have the suit on? That's right. Loki grabbed him with one hand, threw him through the window of that Avengers Tower, and he starts flying through the air, you know, dropping to the ground. Luckily, the suit comes in and saves him a really cool thing. But again, as a human, he just got tossed through. So if that suit's damaged, compromised, if it's stabbed through, Tony Stark goes down in a big, big way. So let me just get to this. Here's how this fight's going to go down. They're going to face off. Again, 
Lots of fun commentary going back and forth because that's what they do. Iron Man's going to hover in the air, just start glowing, all that kind of good stuff. And then he's going to start shooting the repulsive blast. It's going to be an epic battle. Aquaman's going to be dodging, even get hit a couple of times, but he's going to tank it. And then that trident's going to come into play. And the AI of Iron Man's going to be like, what? I don't know what this is. It's going to pierce him. And he's going to be like, you, know, you got to help out, like try to reroute power, bring down the Hulkbuster, all that kind of good stuff. And then all of a sudden, that's when Aquaman's going to really tap into his hydrokinesis and his command over all animal life in the sea because what can animal life do in the sea because this fight's going to take place either underwater or close to it i know it and that's when everything billions of creatures of all sizes kaijus whatever are going to come and come down on iron man see here's the thing unlike batman and superman even to that i aquaman is a pure warrior and taking out and killing opponents and stabbing him like stabbing mcstaverson opponents is what he does in the end, it's going to be the magic, the hydrokinesis, command over the water, and his command over the animals that are magnified greatly thanks to the trident that's going to overcome Iron Man. And then in the next movie, Iron Man's going to have, thankfully, his underwater uh, armor, the mock, the mock, whatever it is, that will totally be able to turn the tides. But until then, Aquaman's got the win thanks to all of the components that Iron Man has never seen or experienced before. All of that is my point number three. Wait a minute, you're suggesting that Aquaman is going to conjure all of the fish in the entire ocean to suddenly aid him in this battle. He's never actually had that many fish on his side. And what are what is Flounder from Finding Nemo going to do against a guy like Iron Man other than be dinner? Please, James, please. Yeah, you suggested earlier that Aquaman could throw the trident at Iron Man. I don't see, and, and I, I looked through it a little bit, he doesn't exactly have the ability to call the trident back like Thor's hammer, does he? Okay. Technically, if he used his hydrokinesis, he could. We did not see that. So I'm going to say, you know, for the show, no, he doesn't have that same mechanism that Thor, for the trident that Thor has with Mjolnir. Okay. So if he does, in fact, throw the trident at any point, which you did put on the record, I would say that using the AI technology... Uh, Iron Man could just shoot at it, blow it away, or in some ways uh, have one of his other robots grab the trident and take it away from the battle, removing it entirely. And at that point, once Aqu it's left Aquaman's hands, he has no way of getting it back. And that's going to put him at a severe disadvantage using that AI. And if Arthur Curry tries to jump into the air to go after Iron Man, Again, he's going to not be, have a lot of success. You can't exactly change your direction once you've made that commitment. Iron Man's just going to fly very, very fast out of the path of that and shoot him with everything he can using his AI targeting. Aquaman using his aggression against him is absolutely going to get smashed by the more critically thinking uh, Iron Man, right? And you said he's too dependent on the suit. Of course he has the suit, James. He's not taking off the suit to fight, to fight Aquaman with. What are you talking about? Superman relies a heck of a lot on his powers, and Superman also wrecks Aquaman. So at the end of the day, what's going to happen is Arthur Curry's going to throw the trident, and Iron Man's going to remove it from the battle, because as soon as it leaves Aquaman's hands, it's gone. Iron Man's going to work that out. Aquaman is going to try to jump into the air at Iron Man. He's going to get blown to kingdom come. And we've seen overwhelming force can take Aquaman down for a certain period of time in his own movies. Iron Man has that force and he has the distance and he has the zoom in technology to shoot him at that distance and AI targeting. He has plenty enough to keep Aquaman down for enough time to win this fight. You know, again, we've said this before, Ray, but this would be something I wish we could see in live action. It'd be incredible, right? Regardless of the winner, because, you know, one of the one of the people would win. And then they'd both become probably pretty good. I could see both of these guys becoming very fast friends so quick, but what have you. All right, listen, Marshall, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. But before we get to what Marshall has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we are going to go with Joshua, the man known as Joshua from our Patreon. Joshua, you know what? In the spirit of today's battle of DCU coming together with the MCU, let's kind of keep going in that direction. Let's have Joshua take on the team of DCEU Wonder Woman and MCU Captain Marvel. That is a hefty fight against anybody of any type from any universe. But Joshua is up for the contest. Now, here is the deal. 
Joshua sees the two of them coming. Wonder Woman in her invisible jet, Captain Marvel arcing through the sky as if she is on fire. And Joshua is going to sit there and he is going to be nervous because he knows who these two characters are. He knows what they can do and they're going to walk up and they're just going to nonchalantly walk up to him because they see Joshua and they see a guy, you know, mm, this is not going to be an impressive fight for us. He's just a regular guy. But one of the things that Joshua has is a plastic man like stretchability. And what's going to happen is using some taunting words, he's going to tell Captain Marvel, he's going to tell Wonder Woman in so many words, bring it on. Charge me if you think you could take me down. The two of them are going to run and fly as fast as they can at him, trying to give him a double shoulder charge. And just like you see many times with Andre the Giant, except in this case using stretchability, he's going to use rubber powers to bounce both of them off of him, sending them flying in opposite directions. And the two of them, while not technically defeated per se, are going to regroup and have a conversation about how to come back and fight him for real. But that's going to take longer than two minutes winning the who would win battle for Joshua. Congratulations, stretching powers. They're legit. You know what I can say between Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel is would they kind of like who's going to take charge? That it's will tough. be a conversation. Like, and I'm talking about a pleasant conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder Woman would be like, well, listen, I've lived for thousands of years. I'm from a race of Amazonian warriors who kick ass. And Captain Marvel's like, well, I'm, you know, from the Air Force and I'm known throughout the galaxy. I mean, this will be a very pleasant, you know, back and forth debate. But during that time, that'll be more than two minutes. Joshua gets the win. Correct. For the first time ever through discussion between superheroes. Well done, Joshua. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up. And you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the battle marshal. It's time, man. It's time for your decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between DCEU Aquaman and MCU Iron Man. Well, thank you very much, James. I got to say, very good battle. Both made excellent points. Uh, Iron Man being that super genius with the suit. I mean, like, you can't... There's, there's, there's really... It's hard to, it's hard to fathom the ability to create that kind of technology in a cave, in a desert, while having heart problems <laughs> because you got shrapnel going. Like, so, like, that is, a, that, like, and to be able to get out of that, that sort of uh, speaks a little bit to uh, his durability and, and his ability to, to come up with something on the fly based on any of the resources available to him. However, I mean, there's Aquaman. Uh, the durability of a deep sea uh, uh, entity, half man, half Atlantean, uh, in a way, I guess, sort of like an ocean god, so to speak. I mean, yeah, his 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 ability to fight, his warrior mentality, his warrior spirit, uh, all of those things. You, uh, James, you made some great points. Like, yeah, he doesn't fly, but he was able to handle those parademons and and do all that stuff with them flying around everywhere. But there's also Iron Man and his like he fought Thanos. He fought all of these things and he is just a dude in a tin suit. But that tin suit's amazing and it does so many things. So it's really, it, it, you know, it's a really close, close battle. It's a close call. I think for me, the difference being, uh, uh, you know, with Aquaman being the Superman of the sea, you know, kind of like chicken of the sea, but Superman and Iron Man's, you know, his standing and the Avengers and being able to stand with all those gods, you know, Thor and fighting Thanos and all those things. The difference is is sort of is really kind of small. And I think it just comes down to in the DCEU, we've seen Aquaman like fight all of these creatures, but we've also seen Aquaman down bad. <laughs> and in Iron for Iron Man in the MCU, yeah, of course we've seen Iron Man down, but we see Iron Man always, always, always find a way, somehow, some way to figure it out to come up with. And I mean, the technology uh, on its own can probably handle most of it. So, I mean, to me, push comes to shove. I got to say that Iron Man is the winner here. Ray, you, you did it. Stop it. What? Like you did it. Stop what? it. You did it. Iron Man. I feel like Iron Man could take Aquaman at least, you know, give, I feel like Iron Man could out drink Aquaman, which is a, 
a an argument in either one of you made, which uh, <laughs> interesting. That's Fair. a tough one. That's a yeah. whole other battle. That's another battle. Uh, but I feel like yeah, I feel like Iron Man would probably get the best of Aquaman in a battlefield removal slash knock him out for like two minutes. You know what? I, okay, I gotta jump in. So I'm not upset by this because again. I love Jason Moa uh, as an actor and also in, uh, as Aquaman. I think he's brilliant. I uh, can't wait to see him as Lobo in the new DCU, but hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But here's the thing. Ray brought up something, and it's weird for me to say this, but Ray brought up something about Iron Man's AI. And I love AI used the right way, not to like take away people's work, what have you. And that AI would absolutely see that there would be a, some type of energy source, magical or whatever kind, coming from that trident. And they'd come up and say like, we need to separate this warrior from his trident, right? That we need to do that. And all of a sudden, it you know, the trident's thrown or whatever it is, it's not coming back easily back to Aquaman. And that's something Iron Man can call down whatever he wants, components of the Hulkbuster to come on, grab it, and then take it away. And now it's Aquaman without the trident, his best weapon versus what Tony Stark. What I'm trying to say is I'm actually good with this decision, even though <laughs> this means I lose season five. I lose it to Ray Sikanis. He gets the win. But I got to tell you, I have to agree with the decision. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Festivus <laughs> miracle. It's a holiday <laughs> present to the Who Would Win show. I'm okay with it, even though I didn't get the victory because I love Iron Man. Ray Sikanis, congratulations. You are the champion of season five. Take your victory lap. Bow to the audience and tell our fan base, the Legion of Audience, how you feel. What are you getting at, James Gavsey? You're never this gracious in defeat especially at the end of one of the hardest fought seasons of who would win show history. I am completely disarmed by your Canadian kindness. And I am, I don't know. I, we, I listen, I'm a great champion. Shut up. <laughs> That's I changed my mind. James won uh, Aquaman. It's Aquaman. And Too there late. you have it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Too listen, late. It's, listen here's, here's the deal. I mean, the, the fact that there's just too many ways for Aquaman to get the win and there's too many um, holes in Aquaman's game overall to take on someone as versatile as Aquaman. This is a guy, Aquaman, who can not just you know stand with the gods of the Marvel Universe, literally, but you know actually save the Marvel Universe from the most terrifying villain it's ever seen by far. I, I, again, when this battle was suggested, I'm up for the challenge. I saw a couple of paths to victory. But again, Iron Man is just that awesome. MCU, bring him back. Make Iron Man an AI that inhabits one of the original suits of armor. That's an idea. I don't know. So you hear Tony Stark's, I'm just spitballing. No, seriously, MCU, Disney, Marvel, absolutely do that. You'll make billions of dollars, I'm telling you right now. Marshall Givens, you did it again. I may not have gotten the win, but man, you came up with a great decision with a great sense of logic behind it. I love what you did. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. Oh, thank you so much, James and Ray. Uh, you can find me at Mr. Happy Givens on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And that's it. That's where I'm at. Very cool. Ray Sicanis, the champion of season five of the Who Would Win show. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you. Look, I won season four. I won season five two times in a row. I believe that much like our uh, three in a row, four in a row rules, once I win season six and win three in a row, James is unfortunately removed from the show. And uh, you know what? Honestly, let's remove him right now. Brent Pope, executive VP, if you're listening, <laughs> it's time for a new challenge. James, thank you for participating these last five seasons. We will be taking, uh, we'll be taking applications. For new Who Would Win show uh, co-host, fortunately, you're going to get roasted by me. Way It'll probably be a worse show, honestly, because James at least finds a way to hang in there. And any of you dunces wouldn't have a chance against somebody of my great intellect. I'm basically the Tony Stark of debating. That's all you need to know, and that's why I am a great and humble champion. Now, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I am not a fan, I've been on the record, of saying I have not liked the Aquaman character or movies in the DCEU, despite the fact I very much like Jason Momoa, and I very much like Jason Momoa playing that role. I don't know. Those movies didn't do it for me. That said, Jason Momoa was truly at his best playing the character Dante Reyes in the movie Fast and the Furious X, part <laughs> oh, 10, the what? Fast and Furious God. franchise. Uh. Finally, he comes home to something worthy of his talents. 
What a what an actor. What a performer. Dante Reyes. We got to get him in a who would win battle sometime. Fast X part two, part three, part four. I don't care how many they make. I will be there in theaters to see it. How did my victory speech turn into an ad for the Fast and Furious franchise? If you don't understand that, you will never understand me. The point I'm trying to make through all of this is Legion of Audience, Rainiacs, Awkward Allies, Five Percenters, you're all welcome for my gloriousness. Feel free to attend Ray's private party for all of the Rainiacs that's going to be held at the kids section at the Burger King in... uh, Torrance, California. Torrance. That's a, Torrance. that's a mean Burger King. I got to get a disguise it's, it's a good to walk King. into that one. Don't ask yeah. me how I know the Torrance Burger Kings are the best Burger Kings in all the right land. Right El Segundo. Just get, yeah, you got it. You got it's it. It's rough. Yeah. 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 Listen, if you can have a burger there, you deserve it. That's all I'm saying. You all don't right. go to the one off of Anza Avenue after 10 p.m. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Bad news. I, it is. It's not good. Well done, Ray Sicanis. Now, listen, you can find me on uh, X, a.k.a. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, by typing in at James Gabsy. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcast. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. It's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwinshow right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.